This is Business Women Australia podcast, featuring industry leaders who bring their wealth of expertise from diverse areas to help you build a successful business. Now, on to the show. And welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says if a ticketing platform can help close the education gap, what could the rest of the world do? Hmm, I wonder. No doubt we're going to answer that question today with my guest. And joining me on today's show is Jenny Chung. Jenny, she is the head of distribution of Humanitics, which is the world's first not-for-profit ticketing platform, which is based in Australia. Now, she grew up in South Korea and New Zealand, and she practiced as a solicitor for three and a half years in Auckland before moving to Sydney and joining the Humanitics team. Now, she's passionate about maximizing the positive impact that she can have on the world through her career and hence finds her role incredibly fulfilling. Now, she believes that for-purpose social enterprises are the next evolution of businesses and charities and that this model combined with scalable technology, well, that is one of the most powerful ways of generating sustainable social impact. Now, on today's show, Jenny is going to share how to pivot careers and chase your passions, why supporting education for minority groups such as young girls in low-income countries and Indigenous students is one of the most effective ways to create positive intergenerational change, as well as insight into the recovery of the event industry from the impacts of COVID-19. And so much more. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. I'm so excited to be able to talk a little bit more about the work that you do and, and obviously the company that you support, but I'm really interested uh, that you came, that you lived for a while and that you came from Auckland, which is my uh, hometown, and so done amazing things. What led you down the path to where you are today? We said in the introduction that you were originally a solicitor for 3.5 years. What yeah. prompted your pivot, your transition? Yeah, great question. And I'm actually in uh, uh, Auckland at the moment. I've made most of the Trans-Tasman bubble and hopped over. Um, and we've got a, a Auckland office here at Humanitics as well. So yeah, really nice to bring it back to the roots and spend time with friends and family while also um, doing what I love here as well. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I practiced as a um, solicitor in the environment and planning field for about three and a half years after going through law school. Um, it was a really interesting field um, and really intellectually stimulating as well, a great um, beginning to my professional career also. But I think just in the day-to-day -day side of things, I didn't really feel that the work that I was doing was particularly meaningful or helping um, other people. And so I moved to uh, Sydney about two and a half years years ago. Um, and I actually used it as an opportunity to really reflect on what I wanted to do in my life um, and, and with my career. So yeah, part of that journey was actually looking into um, resources that were available online or community groups um, where people were doing interesting things in terms of um, the tech industry, uh, in the social impact industry. And yeah, um, the stars aligned and I actually um, ended up being introduced to one of the co-founders of Humanitics, which is how I ended up in the role that I'm here today. So I think the key thing was really questioning myself and my motives and what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, integrating 
integrating that into my approach at the next um, step of my career. Yeah, which I love that you shared that because that beautifully segues into the first point that you wanted to talk more about, which was how to pivot careers, chase your passions. I think with what what has been going on around the world, uh, whilst there are certainly challenges and complex situations that people have had to confront, what it can often do in those situations is have us go or come to a crossroad and say, what can I do now? Is there something that perhaps I've been putting off that now it gives me the opportunity to be able to chase? So looking back, what were some of the pivotal points for you or what were some of the questions, what were some of the things that you did that helped with that transition? Yeah, a key concept that I was introduced to actually by one of my friends when I was uh, starting to tackle this um, issue or question was the concept of ikigai. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. It's the Japanese concept where um, uh, it's uh, as a diagram, it's actually illustrated as like a um, a Venn diagram of concentric circles. And in life, there is um, many things that bring us um, satisfaction. So it might be um, purpose behind what you're doing, like your um, social circles and community sense of belonging, um, mm-hmm. family, um, those kind of things. So yeah, I really um, looked at um, all of the aspects of my life where I needed fulfillment and especially in terms of my career as well. What, what, of, what Which one of those circles um, did I want fulfilled within my career? And then, yeah, kind of looking at it from a macro level, uh, work down towards, okay, this industry could fill this gap, um, you know, this this could um, fill this other, like, need. And, yeah, so looking at that kind of concept um, and then asking myself, what can I practically do uh, was a really, yeah, uh, I think a pivotal moment um, and, yeah, guided me in that way. What's interesting too about um, humanetics, and I know you're going to talk a little bit more about what they do and uh, how people can find out more. You know, sometimes the answers that we're looking for is not even in our bandwidth yet. And isn't it interesting that when you start exploring more about self-awareness, what really, am, am, what lights me up, what motivates me for the day, and maybe going out and asking people and getting more clear, and all of a sudden you recognise, well, hang on a minute, this company or this tech um, uh, company in this instance is really uh, working in an area that I feel that I really can get behind. And so often the answers that we are looking for, we're not even aware of the concept yet. Is that what you found too? Yeah, yeah. And that actually also reminds me, I think one of the questions that I asked myself was, what's a great organisation or a company that I um, that aligns with my values? What kind of, if, you know, the whole, you know, world was my oyster, which organizations or companies yeah would I want to work for um yeah that's a really really great way of looking at it as well yeah I think also too clarity as you know as you were speaking and sharing kind of the steps that you took one of the things Mm. that became very apparent to me is there was clarity you were starting to get clarity curiosity led you to that clarity and how often we we can remain stuck or uncertain because we haven't actually gone out and asked asked questions did you find that having conversations or did you have conversations with others too or was it more of a kind of soul searching what what was a balance of both yeah I think it was a balance of both definitely um, in the beginning of the journey um, especially moving to a new country and city I 
was more keen to default to what I was comfortable with. Um, but when I spoke to a few people in my network and my friends, um, they, they challenged me more to, to really think like, hey, use this opportunity to actually explore what you want to do. It's not, not many days or not many um, times in your life where um, you're going to um, have this opportunity. So, so use it. Um, and so that kind of also led me to reflect um, and go away and think about what I wanted to do as well. Um, so yeah, I would say a bit of both. Mm. Yeah. What I love about what I'm hearing, you had the conversation. I mean, many people don't know this. I have mentioned it across a couple of uh, episodes, but for, if you haven't heard, my previous career was in the career industry and there were many people that we would often work with who were pivoting careers, the, a job that they used to love no longer fulfilled them. And often it was because some of the things that you mentioned, the core values of the organisation changed, leadership changed. But one of the things that I have found, which we're really starting to see with the young younger generation coming through, whereas I know that my parents and maybe even your parents and, and older generations never really thought of, what are you talking about loving the work that you do? <laughs> Just go to work and you do your job and, and that's it. However, yeah. studies have shown and when we sense it, if we feel that there's a sense of fulfilment and purpose, we're contributing to something much bigger than ourselves uh, and impacting the world, you know, that that becomes so much more purposeful and meaning in, in our life. Is that something that is important to you? I mean, it sounds as if it is, but it, that's important to you moving forward, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think back in university as well, I was part of some uh, student organisations where they give you these surveys on uh, what motivates you. And I would always get the highest motivator was actually the meaning and purpose behind whatever I did. It's different for yeah different people, um, but that was clearly something that was really important to me. Um, hence why it was really important for me to find a value aligned organisation and, and find fulfilment in the work that I do day to day. Yeah. One of the other things that I found was really important too was that sometimes in the workplace environment, you may not be able to tick all of the boxes, some of the boxes, but not necessarily all. But then externally in other involvements, you can tap into some of those things that really motivate you. And I think this goes beautifully into the next point about, you know, why supporting education for minority groups such as young girls in low-income countries, Indigenous students is one of the most effective ways to create positive intergenerational change. Speak a little bit more about this because someone might be watching and listening today and maybe mm. not be able to have this so much in their workplace but certainly be able to support this outside of, of work. So share a little bit more, Jenny. Yeah, so the social impact sector has been something that I've been looking into, um, you know, both personally for a while um, and now at a professional level, which is really rewarding. Um, and I think a lot of the times um, there, are, there are many charities and non-profit organisations that are doing amazing work, but sometimes they are addressing more the symptoms um, of uh, of the problem as opposed to addressing the root cause. Um, and having, you know, had really quality education myself, like in Korea and New Zealand, I can really appreciate uh, the power of education um, and the 
um, opportunities that it provides to those who, who have been empowered through that. Um, and there is more and more research that shows uh, if you are able to provide quality uh, education um, to the underprivileged groups, so that's actually often um, yeah, those in uh, the lower socioeconomic um, groups and minority groups, uh, um, you are able to uh, break the cycle of poverty a lot of the time. Um, and it's actually yeah a longer term change that you're able to create as opposed to um yeah just just a short-term uh solution or band-aid solution I mean, if you think of uh, us living here in Australia, obviously where I'm based and you're in Auckland, New Zealand at the moment, consider mm. even consider that there are some places in the world where the ability to tap into education, to be educated, to be able to have choices and, you know what, this is an area that I want to study, to even con contemplate that this is not the case for many people around in other countries is unfathomable, isn't it? But being able to support that, you know, a story that I heard a number of years ago, Jenny, was a colleague of mine who was in the US. She supported a nonprofit who would go into various developing countries and build toilets, a toilet mm -hmm. next to a school because so many young girls would not go to school because of certain times of the month and so forth. There was no you know, um, areas where they could go and yet when they planted or put these toilets in the schools, it opened up the possibility for so many of mm. these girls to go there too from a toilet, you know, that kind of thing. So this is really, it sounds as if humanetics really works in this area. Share a little bit more about their work and how they're really impacting across this particular area. Yeah, so Humanitics is a really interesting model. Um, we are the world's first not-for-profit ticketing platform, um, but we're also a registered charity. Um, and we're a charity in Australia and in uh, New Zealand, and we actually recently got our US charity license as well, which is really exciting. So, yeah, we're soon to open up an um, office in Denver uh, and go um, yeah into the States and, and global. Um, and, yeah, it's a... A primarily a, a tech um, a charity, um, a, a tech organization, and uh, the software that we provide um, and the product and service that we provide is the uh, event ticketing and management software that event organizers can use. So uh, any kind of organizers from uh, big festivals like Strawberry Fields, for example, use us uh, to conference organizers. Um, a typical uh, yeah example is like gala dinners. So UN Women use us for all of the International Women's Day um, fundraising events um, to yeah small like uh, event organizers that are doing yoga workshops or all those kind of things so yeah um, that's the that's the core product and um, and the thing that we focus on um, but all of the booking fee profits are then going towards education projects for these disadvantaged um, children that we've talked about so um, yeah it's it's quite a funny uh, experience actually because you're not really on the ground you're not actually you know uh, involved in the education of these minority groups. The day-to-day -day work that I'm involved in is a lot of, you know, sales and um, talking to event organizers and solving their problems and issues. But by doing that, you're actually able to create this meaningful impact that we can really um, speak to. So, yeah, yes. uh, 
super interesting, super unique, and yeah, I'm very uh, uh, fortunate. <laughs> you know, it so is, and so how often? Many, I'm so glad that you mentioned what you just did because it beautifully allows me to kind of reiterate that how often we're sitting in our desks and we think, well, what could I possibly do to be able to impact some of these places around the world that I probably will never go and visit? However, for you know, such as partnering with organizations organizations such as the, your organization we can actually impact just by doing what we normally do obviously for those of us we're going to talk a little bit more about the recovery of the event industry because I know the event industry has certainly been hit hard um, yes. but there's recovery on the way which is exciting and I'm sure that there has been because of the virtual uptake of, of so many more people now online connections globally that may never have been made had they not kind of been forced to in uh, in that sense. But we can contribute. And so share a little bit more so about, so in other words, if you are holding an event, so an in-person event, but also an online person event, Humanatics can, can be used to be able to ticket those uh, events, both online and offline. Exactly, yeah. So in-person events, online events, and more and more we're seeing hybrid events as well. Um, Humanitics can be used as a registration platform, and that goes for free events as well. So there's a lot of um, councils and government organisations or, yeah, other event organisers who are using us um, just for free events uh, and for which there is no cost. Um, and for the paid um, tickets and paid events, there is a booking fee and the profit um, of the booking fee is what gets donated to uh, one of our education projects. Yeah, yeah. fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Share a little bit more about um, some of the things that you're seeing in the event space because you're right at the forefront. You're dealing, as you said, talking and speaking with uh, event organisers uh, each and every day. What are some of the exciting things that are happening, maybe some changes in the mm. industry that you can uh, share with us today? Yeah, I think one um, thing that we've really learned uh, through the pandemic is that live events will never go away. I think there was a time where we were all in lockdown and everyone was like trying to be optimistic and positive. So they said, oh, yeah, like online events is the future. No one's going to, you know, meet at the pub or go to this online conference on, uh, sorry, in-person in conference or um, networking anymore. Um, but I think we've learned um yeah, through 2020, that uh, nothing you know beats face-to-face uh, -face interaction and the and the energy and the vibes that you can get um, from uh, in-person events, whatever type it may be. Um, and so that really gives us confidence um, in terms of our choice um, to disrupt the ticketing industry as well, because it means that as long as there are events around, um, we will be able to direct the profits from the ticketing industry towards these social impact projects. And yeah, um, in terms of what's happening now in the event space uh, in Australia and New Zealand, we are yeah one of the the luckiest um, people on the planet. I think at the moment, um, yeah, things are pretty normal both in in Sydney um, and Auckland, and yeah, able to travel internationally between um, the yeah. two cities as well, which is really awesome. Um, uh, especially towards the second half of the year, I'm seeing that there are a lot of um, big events that weren't able to go ahead um, last year. Uh, yeah, being being planned. Um, yeah, and so as I mentioned, Strawberry Fields was the big. Um, 
um, a music festival that's happening um, in, at the end of October um, in New South Wales, which is really exciting. But yeah, there's all sorts, I think, um, the in terms of the volumes that we're seeing, both in New Zealand and Australia, it's, it's pretty much back to normal. Um, yeah. yeah, everyone's what? so keen to get out there. Oh, they are. And <laughs> What's really interesting, I mean, yesterday just on the news uh, here in, in Melbourne, you know, we now have um, a big major film being pr produced here that may not necessarily have done before. We've got, uh, I think we are here in Melbourne, one of the only countries that is showing, and I can't remember the name, uh, please don't hold that against me, but, but, but um, uh, you know, a musical that normally is, is being, you know, shown around the world. And, and mm. the place is really coming um, forward and leaps and bounds with that as they're opening up. And you're absolutely right. And it's great to see, I think, uh, the art space is often one that doesn't get much recognition. And yet creativity in the arts is so important. You know, uh, some of the conversations that I've had with people who very much specialise in innovation and ideation, creating mm. into, tapping into our creative, you know, brains is so important. And I think, as you said, that will never, never, never go away. And thank goodness. I mean, whoever knew that we would have the term travel bubble, you know, 12 months ago. I mean, there's things that are popping up all over yeah. the place, uh, with that, which is exciting. Now, I think what's really important too is recognising that now as things are starting to go more live and, and people are starting to have events, that there's also an and that goes with that, that some people mm -hmm. use that hybrid, there are opportunities that now not just a local, you know, in-person space that people can come to, but also those who may not be able to attend because they're international or wherever mm -hmm. um, can also attend. I have to say that I've enrolled in various courses and currently enrolled in courses that I probably never would have had the opportunity to enroll in were they not online, you know, and using... Yeah, wow booking and, and so forth platform that that you guys are offering so there's always there's always a silver lining to the you know that that saying and it's all so so true what about some mm -hmm. of the, the things that you're hearing as far as some of the disruption I love that word disruption what are you seeing mm -hmm. Maybe what humanetics is is um and, and you know when I say that word I'm oscillating between the Aussie terminology the ticks and the ticks because I'll, yeah. I'll you what happens when I speak to someone with a Kiwi accent as you know, <laughs> I talk to Siri on my phone. She goes, I'm sorry, I cannot understand you because I go back to the <laughs> But what are some of the things that you're seeing and maybe Humanetics is, is really kind of disrupting that ticketing space? Um, yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, recently there's been, as I mentioned, a lot of um, hybrid events, which is really opening up. Um, uh, events that were previously not available online to uh, a bigger audience. So it's a potential global audience that's connected, um, you know, through the internet. Um, one, I think, uh, side effect or a bonus of that as well is people who might not have actually been able to attend live um, in-person events anyway because of uh, their accessibility requirements um, are now also able to attend um, and that's a uh, yeah there's a lot more um, access for them uh, via other means as well and so that's actually one area that we're also very um, focused on making uh, live events and uh, online events more uh, accessible and inclusive 
for everyone. Um, yeah, we are actually participated in a, a Microsoft hackathon, I think it was back in 2018. Um, and uh, yeah, our CTO and our co-founder interviewed a bunch of, um, yeah, uh, event goers uh, who did have accessibility requirements. Um, and they, yeah, all of them um, pretty much said that community inclusion was their kind of the most um, biggest issue that they were dealing with and they'd pretty yeah had given up uh, attending live events because it was just too hard there was not enough information on how to uh, attend the event how to find the venue like didn't know if there was ramps available if they had wheelchairs etc so um yeah we've built a accessibility module within our platform so people event organizers can uh, easily provide information on how to um uh, yeah, whether they are able to uh, cater to certain accessibility requirements. And on our website, where uh, our event marketplace is hosted, uh, event goers can then filter by those accessibility requirements and see, um, yeah, if, if they can, uh, they'll be able to attend. Um, so I think it's definitely opened up more and people are more and more thinking about inclusion um, and, and accessibility, accessibility side of things. So that's yeah, been that's really exciting cool. to see. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, now that the event coordinators are now seeing that and leveraging this hybrid um, platform, if you will, or, or the ability to be hybrid, which is in-person as well as online events, I'd imagine that the back-end technology, which is obviously what Humanetics is also able to provide, um, is so important to be able to tap into because there's probably things that some event coordinators don't even realise is possible when they're leveraging or working alongside partners partnering with your organisation. Now, it's interesting when I look back to the introduction that I men mentioned, We talk, you talked about combined with scalable technologies, and that's mm. one of the most powerful ways of generating sustainable social impact. Share a little bit more about scalable technology. What are you seeing happening here? Yeah, so because we are a software as a service or a SaaS model, um, it's pretty low operating costs once you actually build the platform um, and then maintain it. And every, you know, every day and every week we're rolling out new updates and uh, making sure that um, we've, uh, we're solving issues for event organizers who are using us. But um, yeah, after that, uh, we are able to uh, essentially go global. Um, and so once we're able to transact in all sorts of um, international currencies and have our charity licenses and all of the admi administrative stuff um, set up in um, different countries, we're essentially yeah, able to scale exponentially. Um, and so that means um, soon we'll, yeah, everyone uh, who does ticketed events online would be able to use us, um, which is an mm -hmm. amazing way of um, tapping into that global, um, yeah, $50, $60 billion market, I think it is, um, per annum. Uh, in the well, what's industry. really good too, of course, is that if one of your clients is using your platform of ticketing and they are based in, in Australia and then they transition mm -hmm. across to uh, New Zealand and then maybe want to start to have events over in the US as well, that your uh, you know, your technology now is there. Uh, by the way, let me just uh, bring in Christine 
Rose's comments. So important to address root issues. Thanks, Jenny. And thank you, Anne-Marie Cross. You're so very welcome. Of course, we've got a few minutes left uh, with Jenny. So if, if anyone is there watching, uh, if you've got a question or you've got a comment that you would like to share, please do that now. And then I can bring that into the show. I know I certainly uh, have gained so many insights and golden nuggets, which is one of the reasons why I love speaking to the members of Business Women Australia, because they really are frontly, you know, front, for at the forefront and leaders of, of their industry. So when you think about where the industry is going, you and your company are obviously now expanding into the US and no doubt um, as other countries are slowly starting to open up again, are there some things that you see besides the obviously the hybrid model? Are there any other exciting things? Obviously, you don't want to disclose too many things that you might be <laughs> What are some exciting things that you're seeing uh, and can't wait for when you're thinking of the event industry, maybe in 2022 yeah. and, and beyond? I think the exciting thing for me is the possibility that other organisations um, within the event industry, but also outside the event industry, may um, look to our model and how we've actually set up as a, um, a business, but uh, entirely, you know, 100% um, charity and not not for, not for profit model, um, and actually um, copy that. I think, um, yeah, if if we see more and more of these kind of similar social enterprise models, and yeah, I mean, it already exists. Um, um, for example, thank you, um, uh, as well as um, who gives a crap, those kind of brands are pretty much household names in Australia. Um, and I think if we see that replicated more and more across different industries, um, that's what's really exciting. I think that's the the kind of next evolution of business because currently the way that I see the world is there is businesses where everything is for profit and make the most money as possible and that's the goal and then there's charities who are yeah I want to do um, I want to help people I want to do um, good for the world but there hasn't really been uh, a really effective relationship um, yeah. previously and so in the years to come I'm really excited to see what other kind of products and services will enter that um, unique market. Yeah it's interesting that you should say that Jenny I've had a number com of conversations with um, people across other different podcasts and I'm, I'm sure here yeah. on Business Women Australia too I think because what's happened around the world it has really shown us that we may be in opposite sides of the planet yet what happens on one side of the planet can imply completely shut down the entire globe so whilst we are, you know different nations possibly in different backgrounds and genders and so forth we really are human beings can we please get on with each other can we please <laughs> Uh, you know, move yeah. uh, make decisions from the point of view that what we do today is going to impact not just ourselves, but somewhere, someone, you know, on the planet. And I love what you're saying there. And now even more important because of some of the, you know, developing countries, they really need our support. And this is such a great way. And, and I think this is what I really love what you're doing is you're empowering them with education. People, and I've heard the saying before, they don't want to hand out, they want to hand out, they want to be empowered. Give us the choice to be able to educate. I mean, we may, through you, using your service, you may, you may put someone through an education that becomes a solicitor, that becomes an ambassador for for. Mm of people that may not necessarily had an opportunity to ever have the choice of, of, of the choices that we have each and every day. And it's uh, wonderful to be able to think that it just is so much more now than just profit. And it should be, it, it always should be actually, but mm. now 
that we think it's not just about profit, it's about people, it's about our planet, it's about um, really being mindful that every single action, interaction, conversation, how is it positively impacting someone somewhere on the planet. So um, I've loved that. How can people find out more about you, about the company, Jenny? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. If you search up Jenny Chung, um, you should be able to find me. And uh, you can find all details about uh, Humanitics if you just go to humanitics.com. That's spelled human, I-T-I-X. Fantastic. Well, once again, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Business Women Australia podcast. Want to become part of a dynamic collective of women who are passionate about business success and personal growth? Go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership to apply. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership.